Hey guys, today on the Latch Mama podcast, we have Dr. West, um, one of our favorite pediatricians. She is here to talk about all things toddler. So we're going to touch on tantrums and eating and potty training and all of the fun stuff that comes along with raising those beautiful little toddlers in our life. Hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. Yay, toddlers. Yay, toddlers. Woo-woo. Um, so hi. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm this excited. is exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's uh, it's fun. It's Once you get used to having a mic in your face, it, it, you know, you forget about it after a while. It's um, good. Okay. It's good. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and what you love and all that stuff? Well, I am most importantly the mom of three. They're in their 20s now, so we've sort of moved past that. But I have a sweet little granddaughter, Catherine Rose, who is 21 months old, and she's a spitfire, man. She's a challenge, yeah, like every other toddler. Oof, <laughs> oof, oof. oof. Um, but um, I've been practicing um, pediatrics for almost 20 years. Okay. And about two years ago, I embarked on this journey with RVA Baby because I really felt like there was a need for us to support moms in a more holistic way instead of the fragmented way that they've been getting care. You get your prenatal care, you have your baby, you're sort of in no man's land, your pediatrician's on the other side of the, of the, of the city, mm-hmm. and um, there's not a lot of there are not a lot of ready resources Absolutely. on hand. There's no easy way to sort of reach out and get some support and some reliable information. Yep. I saw a lot of moms relying on Facebook groups and things like that and just really getting bad information and not a lot of support. And so that's how RVA Baby was born. And you know, I really do pride myself on making sure that I'm available for moms 24-7, even if it's a little question. Um, yeah. If they just wanna cry and say, I had the worst night ever. We can talk through that too. So it's amazing. Yeah, that's what makes it a fun practice. Oh, I just wish you were in every city and every state of this country for sure. I think it would definitely be helpful for a lot of moms. Um, but yeah, so we we wanted to bring you in, and you know, we've done a Facebook Live before. We've talked about you know basic breastfeeding things, new baby stuff. But it seems like a lot of our audience. Um, which I've known since the beginning of starting this brand is, you know, kind of moving on to baby number two. And maybe that's how they found us. They're trying to breastfeed with a toddler in tow. But all of a sudden they've passed this, oh, okay, well, I've had my baby. My baby's kind of maybe sleeping a little bit more. I kind of feel like I have my feet under me. This is great. And then they realize that things just keep kind of getting hard, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you, you hit these milestones and you think that's great. And then, you know, you hit the next one and your kids start to have opinions and they become toddlers and they can move and they can put things in their mouth and they can, you know, run around. They can use your mouth, they can use their mouth to bite you or talk back to you Ooh, or yeah. do all that jazz. <laughs> so we thought we would kind of jump in a little bit today and talk about that stage too, because mm-hmm. I think it's an important one. And I think that our audience um, probably wants to learn a little bit more. And even if there's not any direct answers to any of this, because I don't really feel like there is, you know, it's just that whole, you're not alone and it does get better. Yeah. Um, you know, and we all kind of move forward. So um, let's start just because we're a nursing wear company. Let's start with eating a little bit. Okay. So 
you know, we're, we're, whether they've completely weaned or whether they're still breastfeeding or whatever, you know, we're introducing solids. Um, I know a lot of people have different ways to do that. Um, what do we do about the picky eaters? Like, are you of the frame of thought you should always do vegetables first before fruit or, you know, like talk to me a little bit about from a doctoring perspective and a mothering perspective, what you have found kind of works and what's important. Well, you know, from the beginning, when you first start introducing solids, whenever your baby is ready, um, I always recommend starting vegetables first. Okay. Um, there is some evidence that starting vegetables first can kind of sort of prime their palate to not have that traditional sweet tooth. Okay. Um, but culturally around the world, people introduce foods differently. Absolutely. We used to do rice cereal first. Um, I usually recommend starting vegetables first over grains because they're more nutritionally dense than some of the cereals that you get for babies. Mm -hmm. um, and it allows for a smoother transition to table food. Okay. But early on when you're into introducing solids, kids will typically eat just about anything you mash up and give to them. Yep. Um, and then somewhere around 12 months, they decide that they have some really strong preferences, yep. some babies sooner than others. Um, and it's hard to know if a toddler is going to be a picky eater or not, because by nature, toddlers can develop different tastes. If they're teething, their texture preferences are going to be a little bit different, too. Okay. Um, so developmentally, I think that's a little bit early to say I have a picky eater. Toddlers go on what I call hunger strikes. So mm -hmm. they can eat really well for two days. And then on day three, they're like, nope. I'm not eating anything. Should we worry about that when that happens? Not or? at all. Okay. Just write it out. And so my recommendation is give them what you're eating. Yep. Offer it to them. If they eat it, great. If they don't, don't worry about it. We kind of set picky eaters up by making mealtime stressful. Mm -hmm. And if kids sense that there's going to be a fight around mealtime, they start gearing up for it the moment they see you cooking. Absolutely. So so technically a toddler is 12 to 36 months. Okay. Um, their serving sizes aren't as big as ours obviously mm -hmm. so usually a tablespoon for age is what they should eat okay so a lot of times parents make the mistake of thinking their babies need a lot more than they're eating okay and so if you think about a tablespoon for a one-year-old a tablespoon of eggs a tablespoon spoon of oatmeal oatmeal and that's a good meal for them and offering those three meals a day and a couple of snacks a day is totally fine um, and just sort of accepting the fact that from day to day they're they're the amount that they eat is going to vary what should their liquids look like at that point? Are so usually about a cup is eight ounces. So mm -hmm. usually I recommend for a one-year-old about eight ounces, six to eight ounces a day. Okay. For a two-year-old, 12 to 16 ounces a day is fine. And that should be coming, I assume, not in sugary juice beverages. Exactly. Or in your water. More in your water. Or in your water and whatever you're, if you give your child milk, then milk. Um, but I usually avoid juices Babies really don't need the juice. It, you might as well give them some Kool-Aid. Yeah. So the whole fruit is the way to go. Okay. So water and some dairy-rich food or some milk is fine. Okay, cool. So don't stress if you see. I mean, I've learned that by hopefully keeping my kids alive this long. I've learned <laughs> that, you know, if there's a night that they don't eat dinner or they, they go to bed without eating anything and they wake up the next day and they, they're probably going to eat a bigger breakfast and they're going to, they're exactly. going to learn. We definitely. Just fine. Yeah. We subscribe by the, if you don't want what's for dinner, then you know, you don't eat it all until they turn like seven or eight and they're boys and then they get really hangry and then I'll pass them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich just to, just to calm the sea, yeah, just to, just and to the, make the sure big, we get through. The big thing is to really choose your battles. Your baby's yeah. not going to starve themselves to death. And I have two, experiences so with my twins who are now in their 20s my son was incredibly picky 
he didn't even want a bottle until he was nine months old. Okay. And we had a nanny who was from the Ivory Coast and she would put him on her back and he would not eat for six hours a day while I was away. He grew up just fine. <laughs> when I got home, my boobs were full and he was yeah. ready to eat and Absolutely. he was just attached to me. Yeah. And then when they started solids, I would be feeding them together mm -hmm. and his twin sister would eat his portion and hers. <laughs> He was absolutely fine. And he's just fine now. And he is just fine now. He hit 12 and started eating every two hours, like straight out of the pantry. Absolutely. Like a teenage boy does. So funny. But I did notice with him, as I was a military spouse, so mm -hmm. his dad was of the opinion, you eat what I put on the plate. Yeah. Um, and I made sure that for every meal, there was always something that he would reliably eat. So if we had steak and green beans, I knew he liked potatoes. So we would have potatoes. If we had, a lot of times we had breakfast for dinner because yeah. I was in med school at the time. Yeah. So I knew he would eat eggs if he wouldn't eat some of the other things on the plate. So that meant that he could have a pleasurable experience at the table Absolutely. with all of us. Yep. But I did notice that whenever I started cooking, he would like peek around the corner. So the rule was in my house, when I'm cooking dinner, yeah. nobody's allowed in there. Cause I could hide carrots and anything. Like, Abs you know, you, yeah, can, you can get away with that with some children. Yeah. And so just de-stressing dinner time. The, lowering the anxiety for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about sleep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're playing the game right now with my two-year-old. You know, is he grumpy today because he didn't sleep well? Is he grumpy today because he didn't nap well? You know, like, and we're trying, you know, you, you connect the dots, I feel like, as a parent, especially when, you know, maybe they're not in your care all day and you are getting these reports back. Hey, he had three meltdowns today or, you know, hey, he didn't finish his schoolwork. And I, my brain always goes back to how did they sleep last night? Because mm -hmm. I feel like it's such a major thing in, in development and in kids and they're not always going to sleep well. But how much sleep should kids be getting and does it vary with age and personality and it does. It just as much, just it varies just as much as it would an adult. But on average, your toddler should be sleeping about twelve hours a night. Okay. Um, and some require less sleep. Some require more. There's some babies that will sleep fourteen hours a night and do just fine. There's some babies that sleep well every night and they're still emotional during the day because that's what toddlers do. They go from zero to sixty. They can be happy. And then the next thing you know, they're like having this huge emotional meltdown and you're like, what was the trigger for that one? Yeah. So it's kind of, it can be kind of hard to tell, but on average 12 hours a night, and it's really important to have a good bedtime routine beforehand. So they're primed for it. What is it? Any recommendations on a what? good routine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So usually a bath of mm -hmm. some sort, whether it's a sponge bath or a full tub bath, mm -hmm. depending on how dirty your kids during, gets during the day. Um, I find that lotioning them down, it's almost like a little bit of a massage, turning the lights down a little bit. So turn off the bright light, turn on a lamp, grease them up, get those teeth brushed, read a mm -hmm. couple of books. Yep. And that just sort of sets them up for sleep. Quiet the whole house down. Because if dad is downstairs watching NFL yeah. and the TV is going and then the other kids in the other room screaming, mm -hmm. that's not going to set them up for sleep. Absolutely. So quieting the entire house down. And I would say at least an hour before you want them going to bed, start setting up those cues. And usually they'll comply. You're still gonna have nights that they wake up if they're teething or if they're not feeling well, mm -hmm. things like that, or if they pee through their diety during mm -hmm. the night, stuff like that, they, it might disrupt their sleep, but you can set them up for success most nights by having a good solid bedtime routine. Cool. Um, 
So the next one on the list was actually what I was going to talk about anyways. Um, let's talk tantrums. Let's talk that zero to 60. Who knows what is setting them off? You know, I know most of the time if you slow down and you take it piece by piece by piece and you think about the last, you know, 30 seconds of what has happened, <coughs> normally I can deduce whether it was the fact that he didn't get to do something himself or I did it wrong or that wasn't the color cup he wanted or, you know, like I feel like sometimes you can kind of take the step back and put the pieces together. But holy moly, sometimes I have no idea why he's completely on the ground kicking and screaming. What uh, what advice do you have in terms of other than buy a nice bottle of wine or go for a walk or something? Definitely get the wine. Walk away when you need to. Sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and there are phases. Someone did some, and, I, and I'll be sure to get this information Absolutely. to you. Um, but there's been some research on tantrums and, and how they progress and resolve. And so babies, there's a trigger. Mm-hmm. Something upsets them. Usually in the middle of the tantrum, that thing isn't important to them anymore, but your response to them is the most important. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, they're just sad. And, <laughs> and they want to be consoled. Sweet babies. <laughs> I know. Um, and so it depends on if you can identify the trigger, you can resolve it, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't, you don't want to sort of play into this this sort of routine where they melt down and then you get an- anxious mm-hmm. and upset and just start escalating things. So my approach really is recognize that there's a tantrum. So mm-hmm. with Catherine Rose, I'm like, oh, sweetie, you're upset. I wish I knew why you were upset, but I'm just going to let you work that out. <laughs> and we'll come back. And so there was just the other day she had a meltdown about something. I couldn't figure out what it was at the time. And I just let her work it out. And two to three minutes later, she came to me with her Doc McStuffin doll. And she was like, Doc McStuffy. And I was like, yay, we're going to play with Doc McStuffy. But I literally just had to step over her and just let her work through it on her own. Um, Sometimes if she's really just like being destructive, like banging her head or wanting to throw things in. Yes, mm-hmm. she does that at 21 months. Sometimes I'll just put her in her crib and, and I'll just be like, mommy, grandmommy will be back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we'll we'll get together and, and chat a little bit later. And she just looks at me, throws herself down in the crib. And then two to three later, two to three minutes later, she's like, get up, mama, get up. And I'm like, oh, there we go. So it's so funny how different they all are too. You know, yeah. I have one that the only, my only girl at this, I mean, I have a baby baby that's a girl, but my only girl that I've seen kind of through almost through the toddler years, um, she'll just go up to her room and lie in her bed and then she'll come back out when she's done. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And then I have these boys that I've raised that will, you know, kick and scream and, you know, just melt down in a completely different way. It's just so interesting to me how their temperaments are so different. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people have one kid and they think that they have it, you know, they have it mastered and then they, they get another one who is completely different and, you know, techniques that worked with them didn't work for, you know, absolutely. Stuff. It's, it's you, fascinating. You have to parent them all differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because as a grandmother mm-hmm. raising a grandchild, my perspective is so different. Yeah. I don't take things as personally as I did before. With the little ones, because you kind of, with your children, when they're doing something that you don't like, we tend to take it personally. It's all, it almost like affects our ego. Like, why are you behaving this way? Absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of have to take a step back and just go, this is not about me. It's not about me as a parent. 
a lot of this is temperament and their developmental age. Do you think that's grandparenting or do you think that's just life in general and being able to see more between when you're raising your kids? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, But definitely the grandparents' perspective is a lot different because just you're so distanced from your own parenting experience that you just have more tools in your toolbox and some things just aren't worth getting upset about. But you also know that you did your best the first time around and they've grown up to lovely people. Yeah, you, you know, they, and, they survived. They're yeah. still living and kicking. <laughs> and eating, you know? Exactly, it's exactly. It's good stuff. But one, one thing I will say mm-hmm. about parents is that you really have to be careful not to parent each of your children the same way. Give them the space to be who they need to be. And so in terms of your discipline and how you sort of guide them through things, mm-hmm. how you teach them how to problem solve, it needs to be tailored to each child. For some kids, even the bed the bedtime routine needs to be different. So in some families, you can have five kids do the same routine mm-hmm. and be good to go. Yeah, but that's not always always the case. Yeah, I know. I have one right now who is boycotting bath, which is something that is so fascinating to me because we have bathed them all together for their entire lives, and he's kind of in the middle. He's six. And I keep looking at him. I'm like, Alex, like you have to take a bath and he'll get in the shower and he goes to swim lessons and stuff. So, I mean, he's getting clean. The hygiene part's not bothering me, but all of a sudden it's like this wrinkle, like, but Alex, why don't you want to get into the bathtub? And then it's like this new momming thing that you've got to figure out, you know, is it because the bathtub's too small? Is it sensory stuff? Is it that he's just too tired? Are we starting bath time too late for Alex? Like, it's just fascinating to me how, you know, you just, you have to learn your kids and you Mm -hmm. have to takes time too. It takes those one-on-one conversations and, you know, learning who they are, which is just kind of part of the fun. It could be that he just doesn't feel like taking a bath. Absolutely. It could be that he's just a little honorary six-year-old and he knows that he could maybe go steal the switch and hide underneath his covers and play a video game for 15 minutes or something. Who knows? Who knows what it is? But, you know, that time of night, I always remember, isn't the best time to be having a one-on-one conversation with them because they're all tired. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just making the time and making the mental energy to make sure that sometime before bath time, we have the conversation, hey, your butt hasn't been in the bath for four days. Like, what's going on, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's it's fascinating how they all change. And, you know, you think you have a routine down as a family and then it just kind of turns on its head. It does because they develop and sometimes they just want to have agency over their own body. That's the thing they can control. Yeah. One of my twins, the girl, as a matter of fact, did not like to bathe. And she would get in the shower, stand in the back and not get wet at all and come back out. And you could tell that her feet were splashed, but her entire body was dry. And so I was like, so Jalen, if you don't wash while Mm -hmm. you were in the shower, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bathe you myself. Mm -hmm. And after me bathing her a couple of times, she was like, I'm good. I'm I'm going to let this happen. (laughs) So funny. Um, so the next topic on our list, um, and each of these, I feel like could be their own podcast in general, but, um, it's nice to hit on them. Something about parenting that nobody told me how hard it was until I went to do it. And it was potty training. Mm. Nobody, like for some reason I was just skirting through with my first kid and it was great. I was so excited. I'm like, we're going to potty train. I think he's ready. It's great. And, you know, the first couple of days were good. And then all of a sudden I realized I had to leave the house and like, and, and, and I had one on my back and I always wore his brother at the time and they were 20 months apart. But I was like, how am I going to do all of this? And how am I, what I, and remember we were in office max it was right after we started latch mama and I was getting these postcards for some event 
And I mean, it was new, new Latch Mama days. And we were at Staples and I was, of course, late because I always am, especially when you run a small business. And I needed them for an event that was like in an hour. And all of a sudden, Nathan looked at me and he's like, potty. And I looked at him and I was like, uh, no. And he was like, no, mama, potty. And then I'm like, okay, well, hold on. I've started this project, but I don't want to take them. But I need to finish this project. But <clears throat> I have this baby on my back. It was terrible. So, and then there's the germs. And then, oh, I oh, just, yes. I, I can't oh. even. So give me your, give me your top potty training advice. Well, I, I, I don't have words for what happens when you're out. That's just something you got to learn to deal with. Absolutely. Learn how to hold a kid hovering over a seat while they poo Absolutely. or pee. It's, it's <laughs> for some reason, I had just had never thought about about the fact that at some point you have to leave and you have to trust that yeah. you're there or you're not there. Exactly. And there are going to be accidents. I know a lot of moms um, just carry potties around in their car. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how they kind of navigate the first few days of being out and about. But for some reason, I didn't expect it to be as large of a process. And I think what I've learned as I've kind of gone through with other kids, that if you wait long enough, it sometimes isn't as much of a process like if they are truly truly ready you can sometimes take some of the labor intensive stuff out of it a little bit that is very true um there there are a couple things that they need to be able to do right they need to recognize that they have to go mm-hmm. um then they have to be able to verbalize that they have to go and then they have to be able to hold it long enough to make it to that next step right Absolutely. so that they can actually go to the potty um and that varies from kid to kid historically babies were potty trained or kids were potty trained way before two. And a lot of that had to do with culturally how we raised babies and kids. We didn't have pull-ups. We didn't have the convenience of all these other things. So kids were like sort of pushed into potty training earlier than maybe they should have been. Okay. Um, But I think that now we're in a culture where we wait longer than we should too. So there's a time when they're ready. So they have the cognitive skills, the verbal skills, and the physical skill to sit on the potty. Okay. When they're ready, they don't necessarily have to be willing. They're just sort of following along with what you do. Okay. So there's a ready, there's a ready and willing, there's a ready, but I don't want to do this. And so you have to sort of catch them in that ready and willing okay. stage. If you let that window pass, then you might be setting yourself up for issues. Okay. Um, and that's going to vary from it's child to child. Okay. So my little ones were all potty trained by the time they were two. Okay. Wow. But they were early walkers and early talkers. Um, some children don't walk till they're 14 to 15 months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might not have the verbal skills to do it. So that child isn't quite ready. Usually somewhere around two is a sweet spot. Okay. Um, especially if they're able to tell you. So one of the things I recommend sort of in that pre-potty training stage is to give a word to those eliminations. So Mm -hmm. if you feel their diaper and it feels warm, you're like, you tinkled, did you tinkle? Or if they're pooping, say, hey, you just made a poop poopy doop. So they recognize what's going on. That's the word I use, poop poopy doop. I like it. Um, (laughs) So whatever your word is. And so giving a a name to it and watching their patterns. Mm -hmm. And then when they're ready and willing, just sort of predictably putting them on the pot. So. Catherine Rose poops after dinner, typically. So we eat our dinner, we get our Elmo book, and we sit on the potty. Um, And then be ready for those speed bumps. So she discovered that, okay, I'm going to sit on the pot and poop after dinner. Then she started holding it. And she waited till I put her in bed. And then she would poop in bed because that's what she preferred. She wanted to poop in her diety. 
And so, <laughs> so then do, do you have to get her up and change her? And Yes. So middle of the night, she wakes up and she's like, I'm covered in duty. Somebody come get me. Oh, my goodness. Um, so <laughs> we work past that, yep. you know, so sitting on the potty a little bit longer, you know, things like that to get her to get that poopy out. Now what she does is she will poop. And then she will take her pants down and try to take her diety off. And then she wants to sit on the pot. So <laughs> adventures gets in pot a little training. messy, huh? Gets a little messy. Wants to put her hands in everything. How do you feel about, are, are we rewarding after we go to the bathroom? We are definitely potty? giving lots of praise. We okay. were saying, yay, you pottied in the potty. I'm so proud of you. Or you made your poop poopy doopy in the potty. Look at that. You see it? Poop poopy doopy. Yes. I, am, I, might, I might have to steal that one. But then also not, you know, admonishing her when she has an accident, when she doesn't quite do it right. I want her to stay excited about it. So if she poops in her diaper and then she's trying to take it off. I'm like, next time we're going to do it in the potty. So I'll take the poop out of her diaper and just put it in the potty so she knows that's where it goes. Yep. Um, so just giving her those positive messages all along the way, even if she doesn't do it right. Um, I'm not looking forward to those days when we're out and about and she's in her undies and we're like in Costco somewhere. And I, yeah. <laughs> we got to go in the bathroom. Because I remember those days. Those are, it's just and like, like most things in parenting, you know, as you get through them, they don't seem as quite as hard looking back but I just remember that being one of those parenting moments where you know you just have them where you're like why did nobody tell me about this yeah. like why did I never think about the fact that this was going to be a thing and you know it's just it's it's interesting but then you get a little bit more used to taking the poop and putting it in the potty or you know yeah, you poop and pee just become it. part of your life I know? did have a potty in my minivan mm -hmm. um, that my kids could use. Mm -hmm. um, if we were out and about, like there was one time we were at Bush Gardens and we went in the bathroom and it was just all the stalls were just covered in like nastiness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just learn to carry some mm -hmm. some Lysol wipes and, Absolutely. You, you, you know, you just sort of learn to work around it. And there's some nifty things, too, that you can buy now. They're like these little step stools that have a seat on them that you can put over a public toilet seat. Oh, that's cool. So there's some cool things on Amazon that make that journey a little bit easier now that you can invest in. Yeah, my my standards have kind of lowered. I mean, we'll we'll pee in Gatorade bottles or whatever. That in the works back too. Of the car yeah, we to. did all of that. Because bringing like <laughs> bringing four kids in to, for somebody to go to the bathroom at this point is just not is not happening. So, but yeah, I mean, it it is what it is. But yeah, um, get cool. creative and do what works for you. Oh, these are good questions, and I did not come up with them. I'm very impressed by them. Okay, it's like somebody's in my brain right now. Um, so I have learned, much to my parenting chagrin, that my toddler calms down nicely with a little bit of screen time. And sometimes it allows me to calm down as well. Um, and it's okay to admit that, I think. Um, let's talk screen time. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say other than let's talk screen time. Cause. Yeah. So, well, can I just say the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, recommends no screen time till age two. That's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's two years and a month, so we're okay. I don't know very many parents who meet that benchmark, and I don't know very many pediatricians who meet that benchmark. Yeah. Because screen time includes everything from a phone to an iPad to television, yeah. right? Um. If it's for your own sanity, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, but what kind of screen time is it, right? Exactly. Yep. So if we're watching an Elmo potty training video, mm -hmm. I'm all good. If we're watching a little ABC mouse so that I can get dinner on yep. and we're doing ABCs, I'm all good. 
You know, mm-hmm. there's there's some learning that's going on there too. Absolutely. Um, so if you can get away with not doing it, awesome. But most of us are going to have moments when we really do need to sort of step away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a tool that you can use. As long as it's not excessive, you're not doing it. You know, you come home, you sit you in front of the TV, yeah. have dinner, sit them back in front of the TV or all day Saturday in front of the TV. Yep. You want to give them a wide range of experiences. But every now and then, it's not the end of the world. And there are some decent choices. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think you mentioned a couple. Um, you know, Daniel Tiger songs are sometimes okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He teaches good stuff sometimes. Um, so to those moms who are about to introduce number two or um, are adjusting currently to adding a new baby to the family, do you have any advice for you know, just kind of simple tips or tricks. Um, I know there's sometimes some regression, some jealousy issues. You know, from what I've learned, it all tends to even itself out at some point. You just kind of have to get through it and it keep everybody does. safe and mm-hmm. sane. But do you have any good tips? Well, before the baby comes, mm-hmm. start talking about baby. Okay. So that the older sibling feels like they're a part of the process. Even if they don't seem to have a lot of understanding, you know, there's a new baby coming. If you're buying things, you know, we're going to use this for the baby. I would I would avoid saying things like this is for the baby. Don't touch it. You know, let them yep. explore. Let them look at it, manipulate it. Mm-hmm. But let them be a part of the process um, as much as you possibly can based on their development. That's going to help a lot. Okay. Um, and then once that baby comes letting them also participate however they can, whether that's, um, you know, can you stroke the baby's head while the baby's crying? Can you throw this ditey in the trash for me, depending on where they are? That will help with the transition. Their response to the baby is gonna depend on their personality too um, and how attached they are to you. So there are some babies that will just try and push that baby out of mama's lap. They're like, I'm not feeling this, you gotta go. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the that's the child that you have to sort of recruit your village for mm-hmm. so that they can spend time with the baby, um, with the toddler or spend time with the baby. So you can t- spend time with the toddler. Absolutely. Right. Make sure you have you have some dedicated time for the baby. Um, but avoiding things like this is the baby's or, you know, making the baby elevating the baby in your toddler's mind, because a lot of times we do things that sort of elevate the baby. You're hurting the baby, get away from the baby. I would change that language. It's so funny, you know, I hear you saying that and I'm like, oh, of course, of course, I would never talk like that. But then I think back to those last few weeks of being pregnant or those, you know, first few weeks of having a new baby and those hormones are talking at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. You're not talking. You're, you're not, like mama bear. Absolutely. You're not talking <laughs> to your toddler that way. Those hormones are talking to the yeah. toddler that way. So. You know, I think it's an important thing to remember, but also to grant yourself some grace because oh, absolutely, you are going to feel mama berry at the beginning, mm-hmm. especially if you're having a baby during cold season when your toddler's nose won't stop. Or, exactly. You know, he's coughing or climbing all over the baby and stuff. I mean, we're going through that right now. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I wonder why he's mel- melting down. It's because all I've said to him in the past hour and a half is no, because you know, he looks like he has waterworks coming out of his mouth and yeah, you know, and there's a brand new <laughs> baby in the house. So Word um, choice is really important, um, and word choice can 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 affect your tone, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say, you know what, let's be gentle, you know, mm-hmm. um, versus no, 
You can't push your baby's head. Like they sense the difference in tone Mm -hmm. and that makes a huge difference in how they respond to you. So as much as you can. Yeah. Um, But know that too, at the end of the day, you're, you're, all of your children are going to have to adjust to some type of adversity. And sometimes it's having a baby sibling, right? And so you're going to have to be stern sometimes. Um, There are times when you're going to not be able to give them the attention that they want. That gives them some life skill building Absolutely. tools, right? It teaches them, okay, I can't have what I want right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so using words like I need you to wait or singing a wait song, things mm-hmm. like that. They might fight it, but they begin to understand those okay. concepts of waiting. And it's okay to start those concepts at two or yeah, whenever you're starting absolutely. I mean, yeah. It's good things for them to learn. Um, and they're going to blame you for everything in therapy anyway when they're in their 20s. So, you know. Absolutely. Start the th- therapy list now. Um so I think this is good. I think, I think is, so too. Those are great questions. Yeah, that was it was good. It was kind of a highlight of of toddler life, which is which is good. Um will you come back and talk to us again? I will. Okay. We can talk about teenagers. Oh gosh, no. I'm not I'm not quite there yet. We're gonna have to pull somebody else <laughs> in to talk about that one. Oh my gosh. Um but we're gonna pull our audience again and we're gonna figure out what they want to hear about again. Um, and I would absolutely love to have you back. Awesome. Awesome. And I want to give a little plug too. And I think I did when we did the Facebook live, um, just to have families, um, have a reliable source of information for childhood development. Absolutely. So healthychildren.org has a great resource for every stage of your kid's development. They talk about things like nutrition, how much food should your baby have, how much water, how much sleep. Awesome. Great potty training tips, all kinds of wonderful things. Um, and for those of you who are local mamas, um, definitely reach out, look into RVA Baby. You can register for it on your registry. Look into the pricing because to be taken care of in the postpartum um, is an amazing, an amazing thing. So Awesome. And we're going to be, follow us on Instagram too at my RVA Baby. We're going to be doing a couple of giveaways. Awesome. And maybe some pediatrician somewhere in the nation will hear you and say, I want to practice like that too. And more mommies will be taken care of and babies. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome? Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We can't wait to have you back. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem.